0: This is Giant Robot FM, your home of all things mecha, be it giant or otherwise. Welcome to the podcast everyone. We are thrilled that you're listening and we're thrilled that we could be here virtually to talk about Planet With. We are nearing, I can't believe I'm saying this. We are nearing the end of Planet With. It seems like we just began our journey a few weeks <laughs> ago, which is true, but it flies by in a, a second. So, this is this is the part of the podcast where I awkwardly introduce PMC. PMC, say hi to everyone out there.
1: Hello. Or should I, I should I say Wolf instead maybe? <laughs>
0: I'm going to get your temperature on whether you're dog or cat people later, because I feel like I should have started the podcast with that question day one, um, but I'll, I'll prep. I'll put a pin in it now, and we'll, we'll address it later. We're recording this late at night. I'm always worried that like my boisterous introduction is going to wake my sleeping child, but so far, fingers crossed, uh, the, the hallway is silent. But we are not alone. PMC are not alone on this call. We are joined by Caitlin Moore. Caitlin, welcome, and welcome back Hello. to the podcast, and thank you so much for joining us.
2: Oh yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't make the last couple of weeks. Um life happens a lot.
0: Oh no, trust me, we understand. Very understandable. All right, Caitlin. For those listeners who do not know who you are, and if you are one of those few listeners, rectify that immediately. But Caitlin, introduce <laughs> yourself. What's your where's your what's your Twitter profile?
2: Um my Twitter is soon underscore no Dare, um, where you can read my thoughts on various anime and manga. Um, and see me try to, you know, I don't start fights, but I finish them. (laughs) (laughs) And I also, um, am one of the owners of and editors of animefeminist.com and I'm a reviewer for Anime News Network.
0: Awesome. Have you had any tweets pop off recently? I think you have.
2: Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, yes. (laughs) A couple of them. Uh, one of them was being salty about, um, I think, an IGN list of top 25 anime characters because it was all shonen characters and Sailor Moon. Rightly and so. And, of course, people started replying with their favorite male characters. I'm just like, you have missed the point of this post. <laughs> and also, I made a post expressing my feelings about a new Kenshin adaptation coming out, which, if you are not familiar with the reason, I would object to that. The creator, uh, Nobuhiro Watsuki, was caught with mountains of child porn and got off with a minor fine and six-month pause on publication. And when he came back, all of the other authors rallied around him. So
1: I knew about that first part, of the child porn (laughs) charges but i did not know the follow-up parts that makes it now i can definitely see because i'd seen some of the chatter uh but now i definitely uh i know more unfortunate things i guess
2: if he had actually faced consequences for his actions that would be one thing but knowing that he hadn't just makes me really just like sad and sick and then so upsetting because Kenshin is really really good like it's genuinely an incredible series and I just can't anymore because I just think about how awful the person who created it is
0: I'm in the same boat. I was a huge Kenshin fan back in the day. When PMC and I met, there was there was a chance I was wearing a Kenshin TV shirt. I had all my VHSs <laughs> from Suncoast Video. I was a huge Kenshin stand, but of course, um, when when that news broke, it seems that news broke. How old is that news? Seven years? Ten years?
2: Oh no, not that old. Not, not that old. even close. Yeah, I
1: think I honestly I feel like that was around the time that we started podcasting on the old podcast. Maybe oh, like really? three or four years. I thought. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I haven't.
0: I haven't looked back since. Unfortunately, it mm-hmm. was such a series there was near and dear to my heart, but I had to distance myself from him and his work.
2: Oh, it was five early. years ago. There you go. Wow, five whole years. Feels like yesterday.
0: I don't know how to transition delicately. What I'm about to say, but Caitlin, I need a Final <laughs> Fantasy Seven update. Well, we'll
1: just use we'll use time compression. That'll take us to Final Fantasy. <laughs> I have I have a Final, I final it. Fantasy question too.
2: Ah, what was your thought? I finished I finished Seven Remake. Honestly, some wild creative choices have been made, and I'm here for it. Yes, it. Yeah, this is very Namora.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I'm. The ending was. I, I experienced some whiplash at first when I first experienced it way back when because it was very Kingdom Heartsy, and I was I was really vibing with like the down to earth like freedom fighters vibe of the first like third of the first three fourths of the game but by the end I'm, I'm really interested in the metatextuality and how those subvert the original narrative
2: yeah i think it's gonna be going some really interesting places and i did tell my husband we need a playstation 5 by the time the next part comes out
0: apparently they're easier to track down now you could actually walk into a store and see a ps5 behind the glass kiosk or so i hear
1: i'm probably in the same boat i imagine it'll be either either 16 or remake part two that leads to me getting uh wait actually it's not called remake part two what is it called the re rebirth okay
0: it's a very no more title that's good that's also good
1: (laughs) but yeah no i'm on the same boat i mean actually it was it was funny the thing that that made me get a ps4 which actually i bought steven's old ps4 when he bought a ps4 pro was 15 so Final Fantasy seems to be dragging me kicking and screaming into the next generation of PlayStation over and over and over <laughs> you could play four Spoken. I could I could
2: um so yeah I've been playing eight which is a game that PMC and I have a bit of history with
1: <laughs> uh, but well, but I, I got good, you told me the good news though that you spent time playing triple triad which is really what I wanted to yeah. hear
2: I played Triple Triad for a while and then it stopped being fun.
1: Then the rules get weird, really weird.
2: (laughs) They get really weird, and like the plus rule came in, and all of a sudden, like they were flipping over all my cards, and like I could not. I was not wanting to do the, like, calculations and strategizing, and then the random rule was Mm -hmm. everywhere, Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, this is just not fun anymore. I am not here to be playing Magic the Gathering or the Yu-Gi-Oh! trading card game or whatever. I just want to collect all the cards with the character's faces on them, and now that's difficult, and I don't want to do it anymore. (laughs)
1: Yeah, reasonable, very reasonable.
0: I just want a dedicated app to Triple Try that I could bring up on my phone at my leisure out during my leisure hours and be able to like to play a quick game.
1: Was it? I feel like yeah. that might have existed partially, but I this is a partially. Hole that I think we it was attached down. to something else. Okay, Maybe yeah, it was, it was like attached to something. Online, else. I was say. okay, yeah,
0: but something real easy with a really intuitive uh, UI. That's mm-hmm. what I want, or even Tetramaster, which is an inferior card game, but I still have some nostalgia for. All right, so we talk shop about Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII. PMC, mm-hmm. take us away with the summary of Episode 9. Episode
1: 9, Messenger of Awakening. Benneka is accidentally sealed, and now she dreams that everything she ever wanted is hers. But the sealing faction is far from finished. So the
0: episode opens with a focus on Benneka. Benica, fully immersed in the alternate reality of the Nebula Weapons Illusion, takes comfort that the man she loved, Yosuke's brother, survived the gunshot. Taking an afternoon stroll, she tells him of the horrors of the terrible dream she had, i.e. the events and the reality of Planet With. At the end of this at the end of this before we cut away to the next scene, Yosuke comes running to talk to them. Like I mentioned a few episodes back, the, the siren song of the nebula weapon's illusions, especially in Tarai and Benneka's cases, must be so hard to break. Like, being able to interact with a lost loved one in a very safe environment where time doesn't seem to exist is really tantalizing for me. I think the animation even conveys this. Like, each frame in this scene has a very glossy sheen. The trees and the leaves surrounding Benneka and Yosuke's brother have an almost pastel touch it's a very inviting unreality and one i'm not sure i would voluntarily leave if i was in a similar position i don't know what my ideal nebula weapon illusion would be at this point i don't know where i'd like to spend forever in a single location
1: you wouldn't you wouldn't go for the the takuzo or or nezia uh alternatives
0: <laughs> no that's no, too gag it's too it's too gag manga for me <laughs> Something very meaningful, but I'm not sure what... The, I guess I have the rest of my life to uh, find that out.
2: Yeah, I don't know what mine would be. I've thought about it. What's been striking to me is how many of them are about grief. How many of them are about getting someone that they lost back. And so I haven't really had like that kind of loss in my life. And I don't know, I've thought about what would I want to gain or what would I want to get back? And there's not really an easy answer.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I haven't experienced the same grief that Benica or Tarai have experienced. So it's tough for me to come to like a definitive answer on this. In my early 30s, I would definitely like. I'm very nostalgic by nature. I would like to turn back the clock and be able to experience like parts of my late teens and early 20s. But really I just want the lack of responsibility I have now and like the carefree ease of, you know, walking through an empty college campus. That that, I, that feeling, I want that back, but I'm not sure if I would want to live mm-hmm. in that space for eternity.
2: Yeah, I mean so my question is or I guess not question, but my interpretation is I don't think they live in those dreams forever because we've seen them they're awake, they're conscious. They just don't have that drive that they had anymore. So I'm not entirely sure how that yeah, operates.
1: It's r- right cuz like if you you know, when Penek wakes up, she's in the reality where uh you know her the her her mentor is not alive how does that square
0: yeah like pmc and i mentioned this last time if mizukami was listening to the podcast and <laughs> just laughed because <laughs> i i thought that episode one and then like you all pointed out they all come back to reality but then we get the ceiling scene later on it seems like that might be humanity's fate for a very long time and then we jump ahead four to five years and there are still people in that illusion but another character i can't remember who it is maybe takamagahara says eventually they'll break from this illusion they'll eventually um return back to reality
1: yeah i was trying really hard not to like stare to think too much about the, the, the like the the practical effects of the ceiling scene because there's like a whole like a whole ra- like deep hole of you know what about people flying airplanes i could just go on and on about and like i don't want to that's not fun I'm, i don't want to do that
2: No, like
0: something like the Big O too. When you think about that event that happened 40 years ago, like the collective amnesia, Mm -hmm. who it affects and who it doesn't affect, it's hard to square that sometimes. Right,
2: we don't we don't need to do that. Yeah, it's it's more about what it means within the narrative than Mm -hmm. like actually literally interpreting it. I think trying to like really figure out exactly how it functions is kind of missing the point. Well, what's important is how it operates within. The themes. Yeah, for sure.
0: Speaking of material things, let's talk about the their orbiting spaceship. So, From the safety of their orbiting spaceship, Yosuke, Shiraishi, and the Generalissimo watch over a bedridden Benica who's unconscious and under the influence of the ceiling device. Meanwhile, Soya reaffirms his intentions not to get involved as he groggily tosses and turns in bed. Ginko and Sensei in the next room discuss the people of paradise and their revelation that the dragon is slumbering on the far side of the moon
1: well so the dragon's slumbering on the far side of the moon even though soya is depressed sensei believes in him Uh, before their conversation can continue takamagahara arrives wanting to see soya ginkgo informs her that he is in no mood for visitors Uh, i'm gonna beat steven his comment here which is to say that I'm really glad that we just get a brief moment of other members of the community. I think a lot of what I've been expecting is to see how uh, humanity is similar or different from the aliens who have shown up, who, who are driving the narrative. And here we get a glimpse of very much that Takamagahara's parents are cut from the same cloth as a sensei. Or, I mean, obviously Turai, who's also human, but, and, you know, they're putting themselves on the line. They're, they were already... Dedicating their lives, and now here in these extraordinary circumstances, uh, they are also uh, very much doing the same. Uh, You know, and having role models like that in your life rules.
2: Yeah. You know, this is definitely a series that does not stand up and say people are good or say people are bad, just that there are a lot of complicating factors, and people can do really, really good things, and people can do some terrible things and it's not fair to take action against everyone based on what a few are doing um i also want to point out that the element or the people of paradise really reminds me of the Element from animorphs oh i don't, I don't have know if it. you guys
1: i lack animorphs yeah context. we're both please animorphs please,
2: please, any- oh, what? yeah i'm sorry. Oh, man, someone out there. Because (laughs) I'm pretty sure that there is a distinct Animorphs to Anime fan pipeline.
0: Yeah.
2: Like, Uh I think if you did a statistical survey. But the Elemist is kind of this, like, super advanced alien people who doesn't really get, like, who aren't supposed to get involved. But the guy finds, like, loopholes to do kind of deus ex machina. Their first appearance was in one of the books where it looks like there's no way out for the animorphs and they're like listen humanity is doomed nothing we can do but tell you what we're gonna take you to a preserve and you'll get to live there happily with your families in the human society how does that sound and They decide, well, no. But also, at one point, he freezes time in a way that they're able to figure out how to get out of the situation they're in. And they're like, I think he showed us that on purpose, right? Yeah, probably. So this, like, neutral, super advanced, like, has gone evolved past the need for bodies... Uh, kind of alien presence is, there's a lot of parallels between the Elemist and the people of Paradise. Someone out there will get this.
0: There's definitely a pipeline. The closest I've come to Animorphs recently is a meme I crafted maybe a year ago. PMC, it's the Gurn Lagon meme. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. It what started at Hey Arnold, and then Hey Arnold started to transform into it, the b- Yellow Mech. Yeah,
1: the Banana Star. I, I don't actually know what it's called. It's, uh... <laughs> um the, you know the yes uh, people who've seen Goran gone I'm, I'm sure will know what we're referring to king something whatever oh, it is yes. on the tip of my tongue yeah katan katan
0: yeah yeah oh, I'm, i feel like a bad mecca fan a bad mecca <laughs> podcast co-host the best kind <laughs> i'm also flashing my back head. To elementary school like scholastic fairs and looking at the various animorphs covers
2: Animorphs was good y'all missed just- out
0: are there like current Animorphs publications, like novels recently?
2: There was like a graphic novel thing. I'm not sure how far it went. I don't know.
1: There's a PS one game. I'll probably play that at some point. <laughs> of
2: course there is. Surprise. You'll
1: it. I turned I turned the conversation to janky video games. Jokes on you.
0: L- well later tonight I'll be Googling. <laughs> and does Animorphs has mechs <laughs> Yeah, or something for mecha deck. <laughs> But yeah, co-sign and Takamagahara's parents, it's always nice, I'm, of course I'm biased, I'm sure Caitlin's in the same boat, to see heroic educators being heroes for their students. <laughs> um, but also, they're adorable. Very cute parents. Concurrent with Takamagahara's conversation with Sensei and Ginkgo, Takazo is visited by officials looking for Takashi. Even though they attempt to ply him with steak, Takazo is unable to provide them any valuable information. Yeah, so I, had a, I, at first glance, like, uh, the first watch I did, I was like, oh, these are some government employees trying to track uh, ta- uh, Takashi down, and which I guess is true, because the grand, grand Paladins were under some government jurisdiction, it sounds like, but it does seem like they're a part of Grand Paladin. They refer to Takashi as director, and Takazo says they still have Terai, which suggests as much, though I think Takazo's kind of off-base with the Tarai comment. And I, you know, I, I thought about it for a bit, and I was like, even though they're leader at lists. The organization isn't gone. I don't think this is what Mizukami is going for, but it can be a compelling commentary. Like, ideology is cyclical. You can never snuff this stuff out. You can never destroy evil. Activism and civic engagement are always required. Complacency breeds tyranny. Maybe I'm being too critical on these two individuals. Maybe they don't want to necessarily enact Takashi's, like, same goal. But nonetheless, um, it could definitely fit in with the larger themes of Planet With.
1: I definitely wondered who these two were, but I feel like it's probably, I mean, it's clear they're a part of, I think what was it, this, it was like the Citizen Safety Committee. There's some umbrella organization, right, that Grand yeah. Paladin w- was under. I think the, the more interesting part to me is like the, the, the reason they're there is really to illustrate the change in Takazo, which is that uh, as far as I could tell, he was just enjoying a nice meal of noodles and was not interested in steak, which is... Uh, a bit of a departure. I feel like it. You know, to, to me, it implies that he's engaged in some soul searching in terms of you know how he's living his life and reflecting upon you know what went down with with, uh, with his son. So I, I don't know. It was really an interesting bit because you, you it, it does leave you at first glance wondering what what happened to the organization. But I don't know. I guess ultimately, I was like, all right. So Takuzo is in a different place now than he was before,
0: and of course that links up nicely with what we're going to see in episode ten.
2: I just, by the way, want to point out that I love how the reincarnation of the dragon, personification of the dragon, I can't remember exactly how it works. But he's named um, Takashi, which is like him being named John. It's just, it's beautiful. It's the most ordinary, boring name. (laughs) I love it so much.
0: Here's this cosmic planet-killing dragon. His name is Doug.
2: Mm -hmm, exactly.
0: Now, immediately after that scene, Benneka wakes up. She's greeted by a smiling Yosuke. On his way out, Yosuke commits to sealing the Earth. To aid him on his mission, the Generalissimo gives him his last sealing device. So I kind of called my shot with Yosuke last episode. I feel like he's only important in the story as a proxy for Benneka and his brother. He cares about them both deeply, we know this, but we don't really know why, and this is because he lacks interiority, which makes him, in my opinion, the least developed Grand Paladin. And he even says it outright later in the episode, he says, I'm just Benneka's hanger-on with no will of my own, right? Of course, he says it a bit sarcastically, but honestly, I think it's kind of true. Yosuke's characterization, or really, lack of characterization, sticks out like a sore thumb. And if you'll pardon the pun, I do think he's kind of the black sheep of the Grand Paladins because of this. PMC, PMC on a
1: pun scale, <sighs> give me. I mean, you know, I, I, I guess... I, I, honestly, you're, you might be right. Uh, he certainly... Oh. <laughs> you know, I, I know I was ragging on Nezia previously about being the foremost criminal uh, in Grand Paladin. I feel like Yosuke ends up making a pretty strong argument <laughs> for being uh, you know, the most criminal member. I do think he... The USK does serve an important role in the narrative. Like I would love to get a dream sequence with him to see what that does look like, but nevertheless, what we learn about him is that he is someone who feels like he's lost the world and lashes out uh, destructively. You know, and and as a result of it, and for for me, that's like just very useful to compare and contrast that with how you know our our protagonist is experiencing depression because. Like that, this idea of the villain who like has a bad thing happen to them and decides to destroy the world—it's like a pretty like tired trope here. But in this context, I think it's like a, it's just like an important building block.
2: Yeah, I think. I mean, I think he is empty inside. I think that's intentional. He has no sense of his own his own purpose, his own interiority, because he doesn't really know how to have his own goals, his own ideals. He only knows how to follow. I mean, it's that's not like an established character beat. That's just my interpretation.
1: And I mean, he does like to bring up the sheep thing again. That, that is, that would be uh, <laughs> quite, quite natural. Yeah,
2: that's true. Yeah, yeah PMC
0: ragged on I me mean, where it comes back full circle. Mm-hmm. I do wonder what he sees in his brother. Like if he is committed to his brother because his brother is kin or if there's something very charismatic or magnetic about yosuke's brother i wish i had a name for yosuke's brother he's not named is he
2: no i don't think so I don't think yeah. So yeah
0: so later that evening takamagahara conveys encouraging words through the closed sliding door she gives a very nice speech uh says some really important words to soya and it got me thinking like think about how much better the world would be if we all radiated the same energy that takamagahara does to soya to those people that we love and you know i, I like to think i'm a i am i believe i'm a kind and empathetic person but sometimes even i can be resting on my laurels because it got me to think about little acts of kindness that i do and how that can change literally change someone's worldview or make their day better and have that action reverberate to other people Uh, Even though that sort of labor often goes unnoticed and unappreciated, you know, visiting a lonely relative, running errands for a sick neighbor, texting someone affirmations without prompting, it goes a long way and can metaphorically move mountains. It got me thinking during the last year, a few people from my distant past reached out to me via text messages to chat, and to be honest, I'm not going to lie here, I kind of didn't follow up just because the thought of a phone conversation for an hour or two hours sounds dreadful. But it got me reconsidering that decision not to text them back and perhaps texting them back in the future just to, um, you know, reach out and uh, make contact with people who I've, you know, since lost touch with.
2: Yeah, I really, I mean, for me, with this kid that I'm working with recently, she has some really serious social-emotional delays, but also you can tell from her early interactions with people, that she has also been hurt because other children didn't know how to deal with her and the teachers didn't know how to deal with her. And so at one point I had a conversation with a couple other kids and I'm just like, keep yourself safe. Don't let her, if you're worried she's going to hurt you, don't let her. But also she needs kindness. So when you can show her kindness and, it's already it's been, you know, 2 weeks and it's already showing in her behavior and in how she interacts with other people like how feeling included and feeling like part of the group has really helped her and I mean, you know, it hasn't fixed her. She still has those issues, but treating someone with kindness and making them feel belonging is so huge and also i really do appreciate how the narrative recognizes that soya needs to rest right now no one's coming in and pulling him out of bed and saying no more feeling sorry for yourself he's at an emotional low point and he needs to feel those emotions and those feelings need to be respected and recognized before he can move on.
0: Yeah, Planet With is really good about giving space to characters who need space and also respecting the decisions that a character makes, as we'll see later in this episode.
1: And to put what, you know, maybe what, what Caitlin said sort of in the context of the episode, reminder that, you know, some of these words are the words that go into uh, into Soya's mouth when Soya is undoing the ceiling effect and defeating USK's photo- photon armor and so forth and so on. So. Uh, truly they are, you know, the, the the effects of the kindness shown by Takamagahara do reverberate through the narrative uh and you know and and kind of end up moving mountains.
0: Yeah, this is the first time the phrase I'm on the side of the people I want to befriend is uttered, and of course we're gonna double back to this later in the episode. Now Tarai confronts Yosuke, who's approaching the city in his photon armor yosuke channeling tremendous power absorbs the nebula weapon augmenting his mech size tenfold he kicks tarai backwards into the city with a single strike as if as if he were swatting a fly tarai doesn't stand a chance against yosuke haru and Miu, no longer spectators unexpectedly join the fray
1: unfortunately he repels the pair with ease steven i gotta ask I know you're not a big fan of the Grand Paladin designs. Does the increase in size for Yosuke's uh, do anything for you? Is, is it better when it's big like a mountain? It is because it's more distinctive for me. Okay.
0: Like that's the one I could pick. If they were all lined up in, in front of a wall, that's the one I could pick out just because of its size, to be honest. But I will say the reverse is true with Big Sensei. We'll
1: talk about that later oh all right i I like littler sensei better i think there's more personality have we watched have we been watching the same shows i don't i'm confused now well hold on we'll We'll get 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 there we'll get there
0: (laughs) unchallenged yosuke is finally able to complete his mission he conjures arms made of sheer energy which he uses to circle the globe and seal humanity Sound and color disappear from the world as Earth's population becomes suspended in time and space. You know, given the cataclysmic nature of the ceiling, I couldn't help but think of End of Evangelion's third impact. The imagery deployed in both, you know, if you've seen End of Evangelion, I'm sure you've seen some memes before. Think of the giant ray, which kicks off the apocalypse. Both are very complimentary, and both are equally evocative. I don't think the visuals in Planet With reach the same level of artistry as that film, but I think it's just as effective. Like, making the world grayscale is a really smart choice, and then punctuating the city with occasional dashes of red, like the stop sign, highlight this feeling of suspense and direness. It's been used in similar films, or I guess this technique has been used in films before. Think about Schindler's List, for example. The film is black and white, but occasionally um, certain objects are red to highlight, highlight a specific point
1: you know if we're gonna do if we're gonna do children's literature uh, of course what better example is there than the giver
2: yeah yeah Yeah. there you go that was the first color that he could see Was red
1: now I'm not familiar with the with the end of Ava imagery but I do also agree that like this is all just so striking uh, to watch how it goes to see the image of USK hugging the planet and the light being snuffed out and you know it bears repeating this episode i think might be might be like the peak soundtrack usage for me so far i got maybe i can revisit this point in the future but like definitely all of the ups and downs are enhanced by the soundtrack here uh every every moment and so i just wanted to underscore that again Uh. (laughs) see i
0: prefer my sheep hunt from earlier i didn't think i get enough credit for that one
2: I got to I'm going to call judgment. Underscore is better. Sorry.
1: <laughs>
0: Goodbye, everyone. This is where I leave the pod. Mm-hmm. I'm ascending into heaven.
1: <laughs> Joining the people of paradise.
0: <laughs> no, but that's a good point about the sound. I This time around, I did my first watch with headphones, which I usually don't do, but I did my first watch on the elliptical. So I, I, I really did notice the sound and it made a, a really striking effect on me. I'm Speaking of sound, I'm really curious about the alternate soundtrack for the last episode that's featured on the Blu-ray. I haven't popped that in yet, but I'm really curious how it differs from the final product or the, the, the episode airing.
2: Yeah, I haven't checked that out yet.
0: Soya, thanks to the intervention of the people of Paradise, is the only person on Earth unaffected by the mass ceiling. They asked Soya if they should intervene and restore humanity. Images of Sensei, Ginkgo, and Takamagahara flood Soya's mind. Please, Soya urges, save everyone. In return, the people of paradise request that Soya defeat the dragon and fulfill his destiny as a hero. Soya complies. Or I guess Soya agrees to comply. You know, in the last episode, I referred to this being who acts as sort of an emissary for the people of paradise as a person of paradise, but maybe it's more appropriate to use the plural. Maybe all the people of paradise speak through this singular manifestation. Like, after all, they don't take physical form. Or maybe they all share a consciousness in some sort of, like, primordial energy cloud.
2: Given someone... I only the- heard you say it. Mm-hmm. I heard energy clown instead of energy cloud. <laughs> <laughs> energy cloud.
0: <laughs> energy cloud would be very evocative. We're always praising the imagery and the featured in the show.
1: That would be very striking and that-, <laughs> that would be incredible. Nebula- Nebula's president. Oh, I'm sorry. The energy clown.
0: Clowns creep me out, creep me yeah. out. Ever since I watched an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark back when I was like seven, there's that clown episode, the cigars. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Freaked me out. It's forever It lives rent free in my mind.
2: I'm picturing something like the circus liquor clown in LA. Let me see. It's a it's it's in the movie Clueless. It's very famous. Mm, it's near I where I grew about. up. This is you know this is my image oh, okay. of the uh, energy clown
1: yeah no that's yeah that that, that works that absolutely <laughs> works goodness well i guess the thing i was gonna say was that i i definitely feel like all of my thoughts about the people of paradise are being shaped by what was what's what is heavily referenced in the next episode which is anything to do with childhood's end uh are you all familiar with, with the, the arthur clark child's childhood's end novel I know yeah.
0: some of its cultural impact, but I don't know actually what happens in the novel.
1: Uh, so um, the childhood's end, the, the the eponymous childhood Zen, refers to a generation of humanity becoming, uh, just sort of ascending from Earth and becoming a singular consciousness to join already ascended other species that are part of a, a singular consciousness in the cosmos. And so some of the premises of childhood childhood ends are very relevant here including aliens coming to earth aliens arguing about what to do with humanity that kind of thing uh there's a lot to go on there so yeah that's pretty much i, I especially too we'll, we'll you know we'll, we'll get to it a little bit more because it's more relevant in episode 10 but i'm definitely thinking like okay these are just this is this is just what what happens to to sentient races they just evolve and then they go whoop, we're in the collective consciousness now is that how the book ends yeah, the book ends with the, with the last the there's there's like one human being who who like outlives humanity because of time dilation, Gunbuster, eh? and uh, like he sort of like just reflects upon like, oh wow, all right, I guess the the kids are all right because they joined the singularity. Interesting. Yeah,
0: I've heard it referenced a lot in reference to anime and video games. I know the Gynax folks were really big into 60s and 70s sci-fi uh, novels. So As classic
1: sci-fi goes. I can more safely recommend that than a lot of other books from that era. (laughs) All right. I, I, you're, I'm not the person who's going to recommend you read most timeline, for example, uh, or like, honestly to recommend sci-fi from that era requires like the same level of like warning stickers as like sometimes recommending anime where it's like, this is ring world by Larry Niven. It has some interesting thoughts. It is also terrible about women.
2: Tamora Pierce's first, um, first series had some real, seer, like major colonialism issues. Mm-hmm. So, you know.
0: Yep. See, growing up, I never really got into both animorphs or '50s, '60s, or '70s sci-fi. I read a lot of like pulpy fantasy books, like Dragonlance. I spent a lot of
1: time in my twenties. <laughs> I read
2: Dragonlance too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Reading like classic <laughs> books for some reason. I don't know why I did that, but it happened.
2: You're a nerd. Yeah, probably. that is the
1: answer. What I can't think of any other reason I would read all of Dark Tower, and that was the only fucking reason I would do that to myself.
0: Well, you tend to gravitate to the classics, like what's considered like a classical piece of literature. Because what PMC did you recently finish? Oh
1: yeah, well I just I just finished my first read of Romance of the Three Kingdoms, so and I'm now starting Order Margin because I am apparently I just have an insatiable desire to read Chinese classic literature. I don't know. It's the first
0: thing that pops into my mind when I think of PMC trilogy.
1: Yeah, true.
0: Now, the people of Paradise expands Soya's mind to allow his voice to reach into the dreams of everyone who was sealed. Soya rises to the occasion, literally and metaphorically, Who guess it's like spirit rises, and informs humanity that they're currently experiencing a pleasant dream and gives them the choice to return to reality. A sea of hands rises up. The people of Paradise grant the request. So Soya gives a pretty nice monologue. I teach AP English slang and comp, which means I'm tasked with preparing my students to be able to dissect and evaluate rhetoric. By rhetoric, I mean nonfictional prose, editorial speeches, that sort of thing. And even though Soya is given like no prep time here, it turns out he's a really effective speaker. He takes his audience into consideration, speaks in a very down-to-earth manner. He's not confrontational. He also uses a concession by acknowledging that many people might not want to leave their dreams, which he understands, and which in turn makes his position more sympathetic. And I think he really does land his argument here. And that's why I imagine so many hands uh, raise up. Anyone take an AP English test on this call? Just got to ask.
2: Oh, yeah. I took both of them. Got fives.
1: Ooh. I have like a running street battle with my high school's English department, so they never let me anywhere near that shit. And you know what? That's fine. My English teacher sucked. Come fight me.
2: I had an English teacher who read The Sound and the Fury out loud to us. It was it was <laughs> a good thing I was already a good writer by the time uh, I was in that class.
0: My biggest claim. That, was, things,
2: that was our AP English Literature teacher. Oh. Uh, yeah. Wow! Uh, but yeah, I I really, uh, God, I had something really about Slayers significant Manor to Speaking? say about about no about about this plot twist. Okay. Oh, what was I saying?
0: Welcome to podcasting.
2: Oh God! Continue on, and I'll jump in if I can think of it.
0: Real quick, I do like the imagery of Soya and the little microphone, uh, like the little um. PMC, give me the word I'm looking for here. Uh, Loudphone? Is it loud?
2: Yeah. No. Yes. No. State megaphone. 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 There you
1: megaphone. Go. Yeah.
2: Loudphone.
1: Loudphone.
2: Loudphone.
1: <laughs> is that a word? PMC. Is that a thing? Did I just this make that up?
2: <laughs>
0: no. This is what happens, folks. No if Wait. You've never wait. Been on have podcast before. This wait, is what happens. What is this? <laughs> Loudphone. <laughs> this is a Stephen here ass mistake <laughs> if there ever was one.
2: Loudphone.
1: <laughs> I mean. All right, well, I'm Google image searching loud phone. I'm not going to share any of the results. (laughs) Folks, it's late. All right, don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, we're all the walking wounded, literally and figuratively (laughs) here. I just chugged a bunch of NyQuil. Caitlin is battling a headache. PMC, I think, has back issues.
2: (laughs) Oh, God. Welcome to your 30s.
0: (laughs) So, Soya has the little loud phone in front of him, like the clip art of the (laughs) loud phone. Maybe that... (laughs) <laughs> and it that's what it's me called now. For all you Simpsons fans out there, there's a funny there's a funny bit early in one of the earlier seasons when Bart grabs a bunch of loudphones and puts them in front of each other and like blasts a hole through the uh the windows. It's very funny. And it reminds me of Soya a bit.
2: Oh! I remembered what I wanted to say. Um have you guys played Persona Five Royal?
1: Not Royal, I mean- only the bass. The yeah, only base. Okay.
2: God, y'all are not getting any of my references tonight. Ugh. So annoying. Come on. So there is, in Persona 5 Royal, the whole thing is... Do you care if I... Please go it? ahead.
1: I'm never playing that game again. Absolutely <laughs> never. <He'll freak laughs> All out.
2: right. So there's this part in, per, in Persona... Well, the whole thing in Persona 5 Royal is that uh, the new character has the ability to kind of... Warp the world to erase people's trauma. Like, Futaba's mom is alive now. She never died, and so Futaba never went through that trauma. Um, That's kind of the first one that comes to mind. Uh, I can't remember precisely what it is for all of them. But the whole big thesis is them kind of rejecting this this different world and saying, well, these experiences are, you know, what made me who I am. And it's very, you know, these experiences are valuable because, you know, I am who I am today. It's like, no, that's not how trauma works. You know, I feel like it was conflating adversity, which is, which can be healthy. Um, everyone needs to face like some kind of adversity in their lives, whether mild or major, it's just part of growing as a human and becoming resilience and trauma, which is, which is damaging. And so a lot of the people in these vi- visions have faced trauma. It's going back to what we were talking about, about a lot of them. A lot of these dreams are about getting back uh, someone they lost. They're about, grief and i think planet with takes a much more nuanced approach where it says you know you have been through some stuff and maybe this reality is is what you need and it's what you want and you can make that choice if this is preferable to fighting and struggling then that's okay you can stay there you can rest And I really, really prefer that to just saying, well, you just, you know, it's fine that you went through it because it made you who you are, right? So, yeah, that was kind of uh, something that came to mind when I was watching that scene.
0: Yeah, I think that's what makes Soya's ideology so unique and so compelling, especially compared to the Sealing Faction or Takashi. Because he gives humanity the option to remain suspended in their respective illusions. Like, he doesn't try to trick humans, he doesn't try to coerce them, he approaches them with an open hand, and his position is one of empathy and understanding, which makes him really admirable in my mind.
1: Yeah, one of the things I've been trying to puzzle out is, what exactly is the Sealing Faction's ideology? And one of the things that I, because a lot of times when when people are trading rhetorical barbs, they're using this language of uh, "who are the adults, who are the children, where does responsibility lie," but it really feels like the ceiling faction. I mean, if the ceiling faction is being are being the adults to the earth's children, they're doing a really really awful job of it. They would be really bad parents. And. <laughs> and furthermore honestly the way they're doing it feels more like they regard the earthlings as as animals like it really just feels like you know what we're just gonna decall them like that's almost kind of what it what it feels like to me uh and i think this scene seeing you know the the all the reasons you know uh, you two just said about soya puts that into sharp relief just how uh, a poorer choice the i mean we, we've already been given plenty of imagery to show why the ceiling faction's choice is bad but i think again casting it in terms of of the rhetoric used it's not even like adults and children it is almost more like you are you are treating these as as animals uh, you know, to be sort of uh, caged or you know, otherwise maimed for your safety
2: i mean speaking from an early childhood perspective a lot of the themes in the show really ring true to what I have uh, been working in because when you don't want a child to do something, you have two choices. You can either, or okay, let's say you have, you are trying to teach kids to use, to cook. So you can either say, no, 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 I'll do the cutting. You don't touch the knife. And then they, don't cut themselves, but they also never learn to use a knife. Or you can teach them to use the knife safely. So, the ceiling faction is more on the side of... No, 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 no. I'll take care of that. You don't have to worry about it. While the... um, What's the other one?
1: Pacifist.
2: The pacifist faction is more on the side of... Let me teach you how to use the knife. You know, let us... Foster the best impulses of humanity. Let us teach you how to to move forward in a way where you can exist peacefully within the universe. So it's maybe not it. It is very much um, reflective of how how people teach children.
0: And I think with the pacifist faction. There's an element of it's their ideology is involving in relationship with the evolving needs of humanity, as opposed to the ceiling faction, who's very dogmatic in their approach and viewpoint.
1: Nope, that pun was not intentional. Was not intentional. Okay, I was Wait, waiting then. for it. I was like, I was waiting for like a stinger on that one, but all right.
0: Like, I think the declawing was unintentional on your part, correct? Or is that intentional?
1: That was unintentional. But- okay. I mean, well, because obviously, the, it was, if I was directing it at Sensei, <laughs> then maybe that would be intentional. But I was directing it at the, at, at the humans, who I, do not, who I think I have nails instead of claws.
2: Yeah. Oh, it, you know, it's like um, sex ed, you know? Do you tell kids, don't have sex? If you have sex, you'll get chlamydia and die? Or do you teach kids how to have sex safely? Generally, studies have said shown that if you teach teenagers how to be safe, they'll be safe and if you don't teach teenagers or I guess it would be more um uh castrating the children the teenagers as opposed to <laughs> just telling them not to but my point remains you know you want the the more pedagogically proven approach is to Give them the opportunity to be successful, and if they're not, adjust, deal with as, as it comes. But you give them the tools, and you let them grow.
0: You know, even, this, even though this would go against the themes of Planet With, and it would very much cut the gravity of the scene, I think it would be funny, and in line with Mizukami's comedic sensibilities, if a few hands stayed down, Instead of all of them being raising like raising up in the air, or maybe if like one hand tried to pour, pull down some of the others,
1: that's the one I was waiting for. I was like, that would be kind of silly if someone's like, no, 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 <laughs> you know. If <laughs> I mean, it feels like that would be it would be again out of out of line with the the gravity of the scene. But um, speaking of gravity, though, I did want to say, uh, you know, with the combination of the imagery and the music, some of these scenes are very very affecting like there's some that are comedy bits right like obviously the guy in the in the bathtub full of cash like that means probably <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know how powerful it is but like the the last one they they hold on is uh, is like a crying woman hugging a dog and like that, you can probably guess what's going on there and that's like a very right at the end of the montage very powerful bit and then and you also hear you know later on people kind of discussing what was going on um again just very effective you know like cluing in immediately to what's going on and you you can really say like oh yeah like that that is that was you know that was trauma and i can understand you know why this is uh you know as as kind of steven said at the beginning in regards to Benica's dream wh- why you'd want to be here
0: are we three dog people i know pmc's a dog person i was a cat person now i'm a dog person caitlin i don't want to assume i'm like cat person dog person 50
2: 50
0: okay I grew up with cats, had a cat, but my then girlfriend, now wife, has a dog. We still have the dog, and now I'm a dog person.
2: I grew up with both. I don't have either because my apartment doesn't allow pets. <laughs>
1: yeah, I didn't grow up with any, but my my, <laughs> my my spouse moved in in 2019, and in less than like six months, we had a dog, and that's that's my life now.
2: There's nothing, and like, I know you're allergic to cats, right? Yeah,
1: I'm allergic to cat dander. Oh, that's it's right. It's funny. Like I have a respiratory allergy to cats, and, and my my wife has a skin allergy to cats. Um, so
2: no cats for you. No cats.
1: There's nothing
0: like Friday night after a hard week of work, curling up on the couch like a big dog sitting next to you, playing some video games, watching some anime. The best. The vibes. I know. Are I love door. it when
1: the dog plays video games. <laughs> Sorry, that's just how I heard it. <laughs> And the Generalissimo can. Generalissimo can. Generalissimo is a gamer. Absolutely. Oh, yeah.
2: You know, my favorite part is uh, when the dog gets uh, Kate Sith in Final Fantasy VII and uses the loud phone as a weapon. Absolutely. I'm sorry. That was so forced. But you know what? I
0: I was about to double back to that point when PMC called me out after saying loud phone.
1: <sighs> uh, good. Good. Glad I could provide this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a, teary- a tearful Soya welcomes Ginko Sensei and Takamagahara back. Sound has returned to the world without missing a beat. Haru, Miyu, and try go on the offensive to get the jump on Yosuke. Even with the advantage of surprise, Yosuke still has the upper hand. Before he can land a finishing blow, Sensei, piloted by Soya, intervenes. try asks him, "Why do you fight?" To which Soya responds, "I'm on this. Sp- I'm on the side of the people I want to befriend." Like I mentioned earlier, Soya echoes Takamagahara's statement from earlier, and I feel it acts as a sort of rallying cry for the show, like in a very low-key sort of way. If Gurren Lagan has, believe in the you who believes in yourself, Planet With has, I'm on the side of the people I want to befriend, which it's not as catchy. It might come across as corny, the comparison, but I think, it's, I think that Soya's line and Takamagahara's line is just as powerful. It's
1: deceptively simple. So I already kind of went over the thing I wanted to bring up about the ceiling faction, but I do also just want to bring up that the generalist who wags his tail. And I think it's great. It's really not a particularly deep point, but I do think it's interesting the way he sort of, uh, you know, betrays himself like, like a dog as it would be. Uh, and I, I think that it's uh, just a good teeth There's a lot of good humor with the, with the wolves and the me and the meows. Uh, the Actually, I guess another one I can call out now is when when usk gets really mad is like what do you mean what do you mean yan <laughs>
2: like why,
1: what do you mean you know uh there's just like a lot of uh I, cause I think early on we talked more about the humor in the series but the humor is still there and it's still good yeah planet with is going to go down as the
2: funniest
0: show that we've watched so far which is honestly a low bar to clear but i think theoretically <laughs> if we continue doing this podcast for decades years it, it will still remain at the top
2: I should watch "Irresponsible Captain Tyler." That's a funny show. The mechs in it, kind of. It's like a parody of Space Battleship Yamato. Oh, cool! So it's got big spaceships, and there are some mechs on the spaceships. Ooh, I th-
0: we could shoehorn anything. Into yeah, the uh, well, at a genre certain point. we can just start you could watch
2: arguments. Attack on Titan. Attack on Titans mechs, right? Slash mechs.
1: Yeah, I think so.
2: Not that you should watch no. Attack on Titan, because <laughs> that show bad. Anyway. Now, Enough so- hot takes.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Not in this pod, they're like lukewarm takes us, because I think we're all pretty much uh, in the same position regarding Attack on Titan. Soya, yeah, along with Sensei and Ginkgo, dramatically accepts the sealing faction's declaration of war. Ginkgo commands the spaceship to transform into battle mode, which in effect fuses the spaceship with Sensei to create a colossal Cat Mecha, the two colossi trade blows. They seem evenly matched until Soya deploys the Terra Cat Hammer, which ends the fight and sends Yosuke flying. He's saved by Benika, who apologizes for everything. All right, so PMC, you're a big fan of the battle mode, Sensei?
1: Yeah, no, I think the in particular, I really want to call attention to the face and the um, the headdress on it. I think is really neat. It has some. Uh, and throwbacks to like giant robot giant robo adjacent designs mm-hmm. uh really i just enjoyed it i enjoyed how old school it felt it, it felt like you could almost imagine somebody wearing it as like a costume right like a, like in an old old production old live action production or something uh it just it, it looked and moved i think in a really really neat way um also you said you writing out the word colossi reminded me of a really old inside joke i just want to check real quick caitlin do you remember what the colossi joke is um shouldn't you be slaying colossi do you remember that
2: it sounds familiar
1: maybe i'll type out the explanation we don't need to cover it on this podcast but i just i started (laughs) i started laughing and i just wanted to explain myself real quick on why i said that but anyway the answer is the big cat mech is good
0: yeah i want to go on right i'm not opposed to the cat mech I just don't think it has the same personality because I like Sensei with like the hunched shoulders. It's like someone who has to work a nine to five and he's exhausted. I feel like it loses some of that personality in the transition to like a big armored cat mecha. Something I actually forgot to mention in the history episode is that in the Japanese Blu-ray release, it was released in two different sets, probably very expensively priced. But the second set features the battle mode Sensei on the cover of it, which is pretty cool. So we're almost at the end of Episode 9. Pointing defiantly at the sky, Soya calls out to the Generalissimo and commands that he show himself on Earth. So yeah, big ups to Episode 9, was a big fan. I don't think there's an episode like I gave big downs to with Planet With. Some episodes I was a little cooler on, but overall, Episode 9 really delivered the goods for me.
2: A really, really great episode, you know? Um... I don't know why I started saying something like I had something to say we're all falling
1: apart. It's it's an emotional peak of an episode and I'm really really glad that the uh I think like episode 7 and 8 introduced this idea that humanity was joining the logic of the ceiling faction and I feel like this really like strongly kind of answers that i mean we're going to get to resolving the ceiling faction or at least i think we are in the next episode but i'm really glad that we spent the time and the energy and also the way that uh the way that soya is given the time to rest but also comes out i, I think we, we had mentioned before we were comparing the show a lot to Goron lagan and so of course if you're talking about Goron lagan you're talking about the grief arc of simone and how he, simone emerges out of that grief and i think here we have a uh a way that so, yeah, gets the time that he needs, but also emerges from that depression in a way that makes sense for his character and makes sense for the show. Uh, and it's 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 cool. It's cool to see the thing work. All right, PMC, take us to episode 10,
0: which if we did episode 10 by itself, it would might take us 20 minutes. These are the quickest I ever typed up notes just because it's a big battle episode, but a lot less to chew on, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of combat in this. But uh, anyway, episode 10... Karellen and Rashaverick, after all the skirmishes up to this point, it's now time for the Sealing Faction and Pacifists to settle things with one decisive battle. Cue decisive battle from Final Fantasy VI. That
0: track slaps. Or decisive battle from Evangelion, which is an equally energetic piece. All right, let's move away from my workout mix for just a minute and start with a summary of episode 10. The Generalissimo projecting himself via a big hologram too big, according to Ginko, sends the coordinates of a deserted location while they'll fight in one week's time after they've both had the chance to recover. Shiraishi, in a surprisingly chipper tone, extends an invitation to Haru and Miyu to watch the duel. Nezuya, much to Soya's relief, and my relief, returns unharmed. I want to focus on two lines of dialogue which I really liked. Uh, This is right after Nezuya returns. Ginko says, quote, I'm glad he's, I'm glad he's your friend, right? And Soya responds, yeah. Well, I've talked about this before, but I'm going to talk about it again real brief, uh, real briefly. Even though Mizukami writes with an economy of words, which means he's very minimalistic in style, he manages to imbue his dialogue with a lot of meaning. Literary critics, especially regarding writers like Hemingway, re- tend to refer to this as the iceberg theory when writers marry minimalism with meaning. And I think this applies to Mizukami. Like, take Soya's... The conversation i just mentioned i think it speaks volumes it gestures to Sh- soya's growth that has been building throughout the whole show and specifically the word friend does so much heavy lifting here like just with this brave brief ex- exchange in an instant all those after-school club scenes flash before my eyes and and all of that was because a very thoughtful word choice and it never overstates its welcome either but so many of mizukami's words and sentences do so much heavy lifting and I, I think that works all the better for it
1: yeah as much as i'm a nezia hater this was definitely uh, super effective for teaching us about soya but maybe nezia probably shouldn't go near a school again
0: yeah he's wearing that shirt and It's like you not nezia you're not doing any you're not doing yourself any favors in regarding pmc here do
1: you think he changed oh. before he showed up like was that the shirt that he was wearing in his like a sealed state or did he put that on I like love... as soon as he came back to his senses i think he put that on
2: I love Nazia's little Moe girl shirt. <laughs> Honestly, the costume design in this is really understated, but I think it's really good because it all looks like stuff that these characters would wear. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, sure. Soya has a shirt with a little a spaceship on it and one that says, you know, Uchu space on the back. Of course, Nezuya has Moigirl girl on his shirt. Like, of course
0: you could launch a fashion line and i definitely pick up a few pieces it's right up there with you Show. as far as i'm concerned has the best i want to say drip am i using that term correctly here if i say it you <laughs> Hakusho, has the best drip would I, would I be embarrassing myself on air
1: probably yeah i i can't i can't help you steven i've already said I mean, loud for yeah. the episode I, pmc I
0: said loud loudspeakers now what did you say loud phone? <laughs> i said
1: loudphone loudspeaker <laughs> loud is an actual is thing
0: yeah all right so i don't feel too bad <laughs> but, but anyway you hawk show great fashion same with planet with a week later this so we jump immediately seven yeah. days in the future it's after
1: that one week
0: you want to, POC, you want to follow with no, that No, i'm
1: good that's all i gotta say <laughs> i didn't know how far you're gonna take no, that no, no, that's all you that's all you need but as everyone's humming
0: it um i'll i'll, I'll ser- serenade you with the rest of the summary we flash uh forward five seven days in the future the ceiling faction and the pacifist faction square off at an island somewhere in the Pacific. Everyone's present except Takazo, who did not show up despite having an invitation. Look, I know we only have three episodes left, and not only do we have to wrap up the final confrontation between Sensei and the Generalissimo, but there's also the matter of the planet-killing dragon to attend to. But I was really hoping to spend some time with the characters in a more relaxed setting, during this seven-day moratorium, especially now that my boy Nezzy is back. The premise of this whole episode is very DBZ, fighting on some deserted island, waiting a week to fight. It reminds me of the Cell arc, when Cell announces that the Cell games are set to happen in 10 days, which kicks off a series of filler episodes, episodes that weren't even included in the manga, that are some of my favorites in the series. The famous piccolo teaches gohan how to drive episode that is not in this arc but the vibes are very similar to these episodes and i was kind of hoping for more of the same here it would blunt the momentum of the narrative but still in a very self-indulgent way i just wanted to chill with the occult club one last time
2: all right okay okay guys okay all right it's been one week since you looked at me said come to this island we'll fight about ideology
1: ah. i like it I like, it. I like it i like it we'll call up uh nilce siriga we'll make it happen we don't have enough singing on this podcast it's true we don't i feel like i don't know yeah I, I i i well maybe we shouldn't maybe we should put our loud phones away and not and not worry
2: about too much singing that's gonna i don't haunt think you, think you want, want me singing on mic too much <laughs> i i i personally believe that everyone can sing because it's one of the uh fundamental joys of being human but not everyone's good at singing. Mm-hmm. I'm not good at singing.
0: I started singing um the ABC song to my daughter, who was really enthused the first two times. Now she just goes, No, stop it. <laughs> um, like, when I get to let her see. How old? She is now nineteen months.
2: She's <laughs> sassy. Many
0: words. Yeah, she's very sassy. <laughs> she, no. She calls dogs. So it, actually I, I should test it with Planet With, because she reacts to I had Shin Godzilla on once, and she pointed to it and went Bubba. She calls my dog Bubba. All dogs Bubbas. I'm curious how she'll react with the Generalissimo. It had I've watched it in her presence before, but I didn't like like gesture to the Generalissimo. But now I'm going to do that before we wrap up Planet with. So I'm curious if she's going to point to him and go Bubba. All right, now so we're on the island. The factions stare each other down. PMC, give me the pronunciation on these characters. It was good. What you had? Oh, I said Karellen and Roshavaric. Yeah, so Karellen and Rachevric, the Generalissimo and Sensei respectively, prepare for their final confrontation. I, I kind of went on a rabbit hole f- f- uh, regarding these names even though the answer was uh, just one Google search away. They're both from Childhood's End. But when I saw Karellen, I immediately thought of Krellian from Xenogears, which in the original Japanese was Karellen, which I'm sure is another Childhood End reference. The characters actually pair together very nicely. They're both they're both framed as villains. But they have they're very misguided in their plans to save humanity. But again, maybe that's all, all has a basis in Childhood Childhood End, a uh, novel which I may never read.
1: Yeah, so I, I went back and checked the plot circle because again, it's been a while since I read Childhood's End. Uh, but basically the the idea was that both Carolin and Rashevaric are overlords who are the species that show up to Earth. Corellan is for a long time the one that talks to humanity. And kind of guides them do- towards a, a path for prosperity. Rasha on the other hand, is interested in sort of from what I am reading the summary from studying, uh, like kind of like psychic stuff, because the problem that the overlords have is that they can't join the singularity. Like they want it. They also want to ascend and join the, the collective consciousness, but they are in a evolutionary dead end that prevents them from doing so. And so it, I don't know, you know, again, this is being based on a plot summary, so I, I, it's been a while uh, since I read it myself, but I'm wondering if maybe that's sort of the idea that, you know, the, the one overlord, Corellon, who in this case is, you know, the name for the generalissimo, is just sort of telling humanity what to do, and whereas Roshavaric-sensei is kind of more interested in what humanity is doing. Although, of course, in that case... Rashivara and Childhood's End is trying to get information on psychic potential, so that the overlords can also join uh, the the collective consciousness that yet the humanity joins at the end of Childhood's End. But interesting, I'm sure. Uh, I, I would be curious if, if you know if you ever, anyone here ever interviews Mizukami. Just like ask him what he thinks about Shaw's End. You know, doesn't have to I mean be- it's
2: not outside the realm of possibility for me. So mm-hmm. I'll keep that in mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would just be like, I don't know, having having him talk about classic lit, like I would rule. And so, yeah, he knows we exist, Giant Robot FM, just because I've added him with all our
0: history <laughs> but, tweets, but, and he liked he, one of them.
1: He liked the best one. He liked the one where it was like, it was like, uh, well, hypnosis has no, uh, you know, oh, no
0: credibility,
1: great. and he liked that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, the uh, the origins of Spirit Circle. Which might be apocryphal. I didn't. I couldn't tell if it was a gag or not. It was good. Regressive hypnosis. Yeah. Yeah. So he went. That's, that's right. Yeah.
1: Because it was the one where he. Because yeah. He claims that that's the basis for Spirit Circle because he had the, uh, the, the the vision of being like a like a Grecian librarian in ancient Greece or something.
0: Yeah. You know. Actually, as we we're wrapping up Planet with the show, I keep thinking to myself, man, I really want to get translated copies of all nine volumes because there are some. I think like. Forty, like, 47, 45 chapters are translated, of, which covers about the first half of the manga, but I'm really curious how Mizukami builds upon some of these points and fleshes out some of these characters in manga form and what directions the manga takes. That's been on my mind as we're nearing the end of the show. So the Generalissimo has on his person an ultra-miniaturized sealing device. To win the fight, Sensei must destroy it. For the Generalissimo to win, he'll have to break Sensei's will. With the rules of combat thus established, the fight begins. Each alien swallows their respective pilot, and we're off to the races, accompanied by Tanaka's epic score. You know, ostensibly Soya and Shiraishi are piloting Sensei and the Generalissimo, but as I'm reading my summaries, I'm going to frame this as a fight between Sensei and the Generalissimo, because I feel that's how it's framed on screen, so just keep that in mind. Um, but it it is really like a battle of their wills. It's It was super cool and super weird to actually see Sensei talking with his mouth. And uh, hearing Sensei's um, the voice was very cool, too.
2: And he voiced by Norio Wakamoto.
0: I believe so. Russell tweeted that the other day, but I lacked the context and didn't... I forgot to look it up.
1: I thought that was the... Or were you saying the Sensei or General Lusso? I thought General Lumiso was... Um, I say this only <laughs> because I saw someone tweeting about it.
2: It was Russell, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was Russell tweeting um, about, about this one shout actor out to Russell. doing the wolves. Yeah, shout out to Russell for sure.
0: Yeah, we're usually shouting at Russell for his brain power tweets, but here we're actually uh, shouting him out for something that is held in high esteem by most people.
2: Oh, no. Norio Wakamoto is not in Planet With. Who is, Who is it? Okay, well, now I'm going to go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> Sometimes All right. it's where you got to live. Yeah, listen. No, because it's gonna annoy me. Do 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 do. All right, sensei is uh, Rihia Koyama, who is in a lot of stuff, but it's not a name that I'm like. Oh, that one. Oh no, Norio Wakamoto is
1: Generalissimo, right?
2: His His Excellency. What? That might be actually the Generalissimo, because okay. there's nothing else. There might be some weird translation stuff going on here. I found, Ru- I, I found
1: Russell's tweet, and that was the actor that he named for the Generalissimo.
2: Yeah, which Norio Wakamoto has been in like 500 million things. He's Cell, taking it back to Dragon Ball. Oh.
0: Ah. That totally fits. Yeah. Uh, like the... Um- the gravitas in the voice. I've only seen DBZ, or at least that's a part of DBZ dubbed. But yeah, mm-hmm. I can definitely see that.
2: He's a Charles Z. Britannia. Yeah. Uh, yep.
1: <laughs> oh, I love I love it when King Charles woofs.
2: <laughs> um. Oh gosh, he's in fucking Weiss Kreuz. <laughs> um, oh God. He's Oda Nobunaga and Sengoku Basara. Ooh, um, Ubinata. he's just, yeah, he's, he's super well-known, um, super distinctive voice. Um, oh God, he's an Urotsukidoji. doji. Oh man. Okay. That was unfortunate. We should end this search there, here, right there.
1: All right. anyway, we'll to- listen to the rules. Very good performance. Uh, just yeah. to underscore all of that. Now, as Sensei and the
0: Generalissimo trade ideological barbs, they also trade blows. The Generalissimo chides Soya, reminding him that he can't resolve everything with brute force. In a you're one to talk moment, Soya calls his opponent just another muscle for brains type, trying to solve his problems with violence. You'd love to see it.
1: I found myself comparing and contrasting this moment of rebuttal with the moment from episode 6, where where Takashi also pushes back against uh against uh general Simo and shiraishi and it was just sort of interesting to like I, I guess like sort of what's the i mean we know what the difference is between soya and takashi but it was still kind of funny to see like in both cases you know it, it, I, i'm just imagining now the like you know the onion bit like the worst person you know made a great point but instead of instead uh, yeah, of that bald guy it's takashi yeah. heartbreaking right heartbreaking the worst person you know and it's just takashi a picture of takashi Oops. <laughs> that would have been a good tweet pmc i mean look it could still happen
0: all right true 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 you know speaking of takashi uh, mizukami was asked by an interviewer he would mizukami gives usually very crypt, cryptic answers because he doesn't really ha- know the answer or place value on the answers but here he definitively stated like to the question is takashi dead yes period so for all you Takashi <laughs> fans hoping that he, his dust floating somewhere in space will re-emerge as a living being, your your hopes are dashed.
2: The answers are dust on the wind.
0: <laughs> that's a good point, PMC. I don't have a like definitive answer for that, but it's I, I will acknowledge it's a good point.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's just one of those things where you know, I I don't know, like that that's that's the thing I came away with, it was just thinking that yeah, everyone in the room recognizes that you're shitty for this reason. <laughs> Ceiling faction. So, upping the stakes to get an
0: advantage, Sensei and the Generalissimo both imbibe energy drinks to boost their strength. Sensei's claws and the Generalissimo's fangs are out as the fight picks up in intensity. Tanaka's sick guitar riffs signal that they're each giving it each giving it their all. Their fight becomes so frenzied that they soon find themselves in space, duking it out above above Earth's atmosphere. The Generalissimo launches a massive energy beam at Sensei, which he deflects, but not without serious effort. Gathed from residual exposure to the beam, the two re-enter Earth's atmosphere and fall back to the island. Reinvigorated and committed to continuing the fight, the Generalissimo and Sensei transform into their battle modes. The fight resumes. PMC, did you have any hot takes on the Generalissimo's battle mode? uh
1: i liked the well i I think i really want to compliment the the doping mode generalissimo because uh that one in particular has a good dog tail which again i want to draw attention (laughs) to but i also do like the cape i i I was curious at what they would do like with wings or something um i i think the cape is also good the cape and the tail they work together trying to think of other media with
0: dog mechs. I've seen other cat mechs before, so Sensei isn't alone in that regard. Like Hello Kitty variations of Mecha. I'm not <laughs> sure if I've seen a dog mech.
1: I'm sure Zoids has something like that.
2: Yeah, Zoids oh, is a Wait,
1: well, What show? Caitlin I missed that.
2: Ochako. Oh, hmm. It's the Hello Kitty dog.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah. I wonder. As you can tell, I had very few notes for the battle scene. Um, it... it mm. I'm not like I'm not really taken by the fight in general, so I was just typing away the summary bits. Um, but mm-hmm. this next this next scene I did like. So the Generalissimo's Stellar Breaker a- attack breaks Sensei's Giga Hammer. Sensei returns the favor, destroying his arm too. The Generalissimo takes. An advantage of an op- takes advantage of an opening and attempts to land a finishing blow, but is intercepted by Takazo, who has arrived and has summoned every ounce of energy left to him to conjure a gigantic sword, which he uses to sever the Generalissimo's remaining arm. He falls to the ground. He's picked up by Nezuya. This is such. By a the bomb.
2: way, I just we I know we've moved past that point in the episode, but the part where the Generalissimo and Sensei are arguing with each other i really enjoy that because i feel like a lot of going back to the efficiency thing once again <laughs> um a lot of other series uh, would have like have them be like i knew you know this person so and so many years and they always believe this that and this and that but Just through those couple of lines of dialogue, you can tell that they have had this, they've known each other for a long time and they've had this argument many, many times and neither one has budged on it. And I, I think that's, that, that's great. Um, it gives us such a sense of the character's history and the sense that they are, have argued about it, but also that they know each other really well. And even if they disagree, they still like have respect for each other's ideas and have considered each other's ideas and just refuse to budge.
0: Yeah, there's a lived-in quality to their relationship that comes out in their dialogue. Like, I could imagine... So, Miz, we talked about this last episode. Uh, Mizukami has got a record. They're, they're several hundred years old in, like, alien terms. But I can imagine, like, an undergrad version of their conversation, like they're smoking cigarettes in their dorm room and just having this argument time and time again and then extending to the, the into their adult lives, too. So, back to Tezuka. Um, real highlight of the fight for me. Not the least because I like him a lot, uh, I've said this before. The Mecha fights a planet with. Don't do too much for me. Any- is
2: Tezuka the ship name for uh, Takizo and Nezuya?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but now you have me thinking about
0: it. This is what happens. When, like I said before, I chugged some Nyquil. I was bound to make a mistake. Is I do like that. I do like both characters a lot, though yeah after that i have nothing to say
1: <laughs> no that's fair i mean i was kind of surprised i was i was honestly surprised that it was um that it was nezia who, who who picked him up after but uh but like also this is just picking up on what i was mentioning before right about takizo had clearly you know had some soul searching in terms of how he's changed uh the way he's living his life and that also gets echoed too in the bit where uh so he's like no you why weren't you attacking me and and Takizo's is like no i know i know what i'm doing right like he, he's thought about this you can tell uh, and it's just yeah, in another... a personal
0: sense he's still honoring his son but mm-hmm. in a practical sense he agrees with soya mm-hmm. which i like now vulnerable sensei punctures a hole in the generalissimo's chest he then returns to his regular size mecha form and flies into the cavity both sets of co-pilots alight soya restrains shiraishi as sensei charges charges at the General generalissimo on foot brandishing one of soya's clogs he lands a critical blow on the miniaturized sealing device thereby ending the fight
1: once again just like a sequence that is so enriched by sound design all the sound effects are so good every especially when the clogs are involved
0: yeah i'm glad to see the clogs make a, a reappearance in the narrative I've never worn clogs before. Have any of you? They don't look comfortable.
2: I haven't. I've worn uh, Yeah. they're. I got some wild blisters from them. <laughs> but also, they were too small for me because I was in Japan, and my feet are too big for Japanese women's shoes.
0: Mm. The closest I've come is like cleats, metal cleats. And of course, totally different shoe, but I think that's the closest I've gotten to wearing clogs before. But yeah, I mean, it, I, it definitely packs... Uh, not packs a punch, but packs a kick. Like, if you get it kicked in the face with a, a metal clog.
2: Generally, they're not made of metal.
0: Right. True. Immediately after the Generalissimo's defeat, Ginko, demonstrating the forgiveness that they preach, thanks the Generalissimo and asks if he'll continue to watch over Earth for a time. The remaining Grand Paladins reconvene. Fortunately, despite their fears, Takazo's still alive. Benica tells Yosuke that they'll see Senpai later, which pmc corrected me here in the notes or gave me some uh, elaboration but i you know i had asked myself is this a figure of speech like does betta kameen they'll visit his grave i assume she's speaking euphemistically here but
2: yeah they're just gonna go to his grave
0: yeah, yeah. i was like is he alive
1: <laughs> i do also well, so they- oh good
0: I, I was gonna, gonna say sit- maybe she- that this no, virtual no, podcast no. Baby, it's too PMC late now Johnson- it's too late now for this
1: <laughs> I'm gonna slap you because you need to wake up, all right? And that, when Tori does it to Takazo, that's also a good bit, and I really, I really appreciate how quickly Tori, as a character, switches tracks from being deeply caring to sort of like, uh, you know, l- teasing. He is very yeah. a character who does that consistently, and it's always fun.
0: I'm glad he reemerged in the narrative too. I was worried that he wasn't really going to show up in the latter half of the show.
2: is right, good. I like him a lot.
0: So we're nearing the end of the episode. Soya addresses the paladins. He tells them that in about four or five years, the dragon who sleeps on the dark side of the moon will awaken and ask if they'll help defeat him. We also learn the dragon had traveled back in time 50 years prior to the events of Planet With and has been hibernating on the moon ever since.
1: So that's where the it. 50 years went. My theory my theory that Soya was secretly 50 years older than he looks was false. <laughs> the dragon time traveled. <laughs> But I'm actually surprised they addressed that point. Yeah, it, it, they could have not resolved it. I know I wouldn't have cared, but it's still yeah. funny. I gotta
0: say, I love me some time skips. Given that he's a big Gynax fan, I'm sure Mizukami was no doubt inspired by Gunbuster and Gurren Lagann, both of which use time skips really effectively to elicit an emotional response At least me, at, in at least me as a viewer. I wonder if it'll be just as affecting here. Like, I haven't seen the last two episodes. I wonder what Earth is going to look like in five years, or if that's even going to be important. Who will still be alive? Who will be together? Who will have lost touch with each other? Will it be bittersweet? Will I be pining for the simpler times of the occult research club? On that last point, I'm sure I will be.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I have any big thoughts. I mean, obviously, of course, I, the the you know the Gunbuster uh, time skips are deeply affecting, and the Goron Legon ones I feel like more just sort of a, a functional breaking up of the of the show. I'm curious to see how how I, I'll feel about this, um, and to what extent world building fits fits into things. I'm I'm I, I assume things will be focused on the show, you know, just because of the efficiency. I'm, um, but maybe you'll, maybe you'll prove me wrong. Maybe we'll get into some of these topics.
2: Hmm. And you know, uh, this is uh, the end of a fully coherent, fully plotted four episode story arc.
1: Yeah. It really is
2: though.
1: <laughs> Between yeah, seven three The first three-
2: arc was six episodes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Second one was four and the last one is going to be two. Okay.
1: Um
2: I'm I'm kind of sad that I wasn't able to make it for the the episode where the first arc wrapped up because I just wanted to to reflect back on in that moment how when Takashi crumbled away into dust. Everyone whose reaction watching it was like, wait, they just resolved the entire plot? (laughs) Like, what is, what is going to happen? What's going to happen next? Like, what? So much, there was so much confusion. And there was a big difference in when this arc wrapped up, because it was a feeling of, of excitement, because those, for those of us who hadn't read any Mizukami before, he now had our faith, because everything had been wrapped up so satisfyingly. And so everyone was just like, well, there's two episodes left, don't know how they're going to wrap this up in just that time, but I'm here for it.
0: There were no gaps, right, in the Aaron Caitlin originally, it just no. week to week?
2: Yeah, it was know, just God. week to week. Actually worked out perfectly
0: from a podcasting perspective because each like the the two episodes to cover at a time works really nicely here just because we usually end the episode at a really nice breaking point, like this episode for example. I couldn't imagine ending the podcast episode episode nine, for instance. Right. But I'm super curious where we go from here. Takamagahara has a speech at the end that kind of gestures to some things. I really don't think world building is going to be a major focal point of Mizukami, but I do appreciate how he took into consideration what a world-altering event like a mass ceiling would have on a population. I've since fallen off the MCU, but this is what I wanted from Thanos' snap. I wanted to know more about the socio-political changes that will result after a cataclysm. Some of the movies and some of the shows gesture to it, but not to my liking. I also think Mizukami is right on the money by positing that some people would choose to remain in their illusions. Approximately 20% of the people um, spend a lot of time in their illusions. And the show doesn't judge them for their decision, which I think is really neat.
2: So what the crime rate dropping also kind of brings to mind um, a certain philosophy behind the existence of crime being due to a lack. You know, crime doesn't occur, occur in, a va- in a vacuum. People don't commit crimes just just cause people commit crimes because of a need. Um, and the needs might be more abstract than just, I needed, uh, food, so I stole s- some bread. You know, there might be I, a need for, um, education, a need for some kind of emotional need, um, which is why people would turn to drugs, things like that. But cry at first, Like, it was like crime dropping felt a little weird, but then it occurred to me that a lot of the people who had these needs are having them addressed by their dreams that the sealing faction gave them. And, you know, I'm not saying, well, we just need to make all the criminals seal them all away so that they dream about having what they need but it is reflective of the fact that these people are not criminals just for the fun of it. They're criminals because there is something that has been lacking in their lives and the dreams are able to fill that. And I think I just repeated myself like three times, but whatever.
1: I mean, but it does tie things up because I I think you had, you had some point earlier on the podcast about very much the same thing, which is that, this isn't a show about how there are just evil people out there and that evil people are going to do crime. And they, as you said, they exist in a vacuum. That is not, that ain't planet with. And, you know, and I think that the idea that that isn't a part of planet with is something that shows up in the narrative and in, even in, in the world building like this.
2: Yeah. Planet with has a very consistent ideology and I like that about it. I like that. It people like always taught, like I always say that I want to, narratives to be about something you know it doesn't have to be some great grand statement but you know i want them to try to try uncover some kind of truth to kind of try to speak to some kind of truth and planet with is absolutely one of those stories so yeah it's just it's a really great series hell yeah hell yeah
0: I think the vibes of this episode off the charts. Really, I feel like we're all in a dorm room having a late night conversation about one of our favorite <laughs> anime
1: shows.
2: Oh man! I mean, I have I have lived that with with PMC in real life.
1: It's true. It was, it was back in ra- the day raucous evenings.
0: <laughs> I can
2: only imagine four AM nineties karaoke, mm-hmm.
0: playing a little Halo Two on the side. PMC,
1: a Halo Three. Yeah. Well, Halo. <laughs> yes, yes. That is, in fact, where the story of me playing Halo with my feet comes from, is my days in
2: college. So, I I, I think I remember this. <laughs> yeah. This is. I I night, just got I a very distinct image of P- PMC putting the controller down on the ground mm. and just playing with his feet.
1: Because I I watched people brought Taco Bell back to floor, and I had a Crunchwrap Supreme that I really wanted to eat, but also someone. Oh. Someone wanted to play me in Halo, so I was like, all right. I'm going to eat the Crunchwrap Supreme and play with my feet. And and I was winning. Struggle is real. All right?
0: I've been making a lot of, speaking of late night recordings, I've been making a lot of late night trips to a Taco Bell that has recently opened by my house. It's been wonderful. I'm sorry? Don't be sorry. It's fantastic.
2: <laughs> buy it's buy like good.
0: Buy like 15 different things, have a bite of each. Mm-hmm. Hit the bathroom right after. You know the yeah.
1: drill. All right.
0: All right. All right. Before we officially end this, Caitlin, give us your bona fides. Promote yourself.
2: All right. Well, like I said at the start of the po- podcast, I am an editor and owner and writer for AnimeFeminist.com. I also have a podcast there, Chatty AF. It's lots of fun. I'm not on every episode. None of us are on every episode, so kind of a rotating group we volunteer for whatever series we're into but i'm on the ones that have been coming out recently talking about his and her circumstances karekano um it it was a lot of fun to record i recommend those i also recommend our episodes about fushigi yugi those were my favorite ones to record um because i also bring that up because they just announced that fushigi yugi um byako senki is going to be finally be continued. And I don't know how many people listening to this mech podcast are going to care about Fushigi Yugi, but I care. So you get to hear about it. Um, <laughs> I am also um, a reviewer for Anime News Network. No one link to that there, but just, you know, click on the, any review that sparks your fancy. Look for my byline. You'll find me eventually, I'm sure. If you, As long as you have good taste. And yeah.
0: By the way, Chatty AF is such a good name for a podcast. Kudos to whoever coined it.
2: I wish I could take credit for that.
0: For both iterations of the podcast, PMC went back and forth with the worst names for mecha podcasts until we arrived at whatever we came up with: Mechanations and Giant Robot
1: FM. Naming things is hard. What are
2: some? What are some of these bad names I want to hear?
1: I mean, I don't. I don't. I can't recall. It is. It is too. Too gone. What, we can find them okay. and blast them out of the loud phone. But <laughs>
2: all right, well, dust PMC. in the wind. Yeah. Much like Takashi.
1: If you want to find some dust in the wind or you want to find some links, you'll definitely find links to all of Caitlin's stuff in the show notes. If you want to... <laughs> yes, absolutely. If you want to support Giant Robot FM, you can write nice things about us and send iTunes dust in the form of reviews. If you want to support us directly monetarily, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash FM, where we have lots of supplemental podcasts, including uh, we have, uh, we're have we going to be starting a series on Gundam, The Witch from Mercury, the new television series that is coming out soon. If you're listening to this when it drops. It's pretty much like this weekend. Uh, so look forward to that. Hopefully that series rules. We're launching the first episode of the series for free. Additional episodes will be available uh, exclusively for patrons, so check that out. We also have a video game series called Simulator, where we cover video games. We've done Armored Core, done Zardion. We'll be doing Front Mission next, especially with the Front Mission remakes coming out
2: soon. You should do 13 Sentinels.
1: No. <laughs> we, so,
2: <laughs> so
0: Kayla, we have recorded a pod yeah. of 13 Sentinels on the old pod. I was very warm in the oh, game, okay. MC was not.
1: You can, okay. <laughs> you can look up that episode of 13 Sentinels uh, if you want to know my feelings about 13 Sentinels.
2: I need to play actually play it.
1: <laughs> maybe. Um, maybe. I'm going to give credit <laughs> to Dwarf S for the graphics that we use and credit to Fretzel, hashtag band Fretzel for the music that we use all right so i have something to wrap up with i did look up a few of the names
0: well, we'll maybe we'll start the next podcast with more of them but this uh-huh. these are all pmc suggestions oh no uh, he was riffing on suit so he texts me he dms me some rando names oh god <laughs> strong suits suit yourself suit up and my favorite suited and booted i've been under the weather myself <laughs> i full disclosure i had a nice four-day weekend but of course the start of my four-day weekend gets sick not covid but i just chugged some nyquil so if i pass out during
1: the record you all know why
0: <laughs> i'll be fine don't worry oh, we'll man. See, i guess. That was gonna be an
1: incredible <laughs> podcast at it yeah we lost the one co-host
2: he got, he got sealed oh, steve just fell down
1: yeah uh the generalissimo used the new ceiling device nyquil Never <laughs> a pleasant dream. Nyquil
2: does give you some wild <laughs> yeah. dreams. I don't think I would want to be in a Nyquil dream forever.
0: <laughs> I never have dreams, either under the uh, influence of Nyquil or not. Or I don't remember them, I should say.
2: Oh, I get vivid dreams pretty much regardless of circumstances.